ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. I'm Amber Wilson. He is Harry Douglas. We are taking you up until 7 p.m. Eastern. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. You can also join the conversation on the Canty call-in line. 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. LeBron James, Harry, might as well pull, pour himself a nice vino, kick up his feet, and start enjoying his summer because that's all he has right now to look forward to. It is time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The Los Angeles Lakers fell to the Phoenix Suns last night, 121-110. to No one's surprised about that. But because the Spurs also beat the Denver Nuggets on the road, 116-97, to that means that the Lakers are not making the postseason. They're not making a play-in scenario. Their season is essentially, with three games left, donezo. Is this the most disappointing Lakers team ever? How about most disappointing sports team of all time, Harry Douglas? Ooh, that's a tough one. Sports team is a tough one, but I will go. I think it's the most disappointing team in NBA history with the simple fact that you have guys on that team that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Look at Dwight Howard. You look at Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, um, Anthony Davis. You have Russell Westbrook. Um, you can even possibly throw Rajon Rondo in there as well. You look at those six guys. And when, I, when this team was first assembled, I said to myself, okay, they're older and it's going to be a challenge, but they're going to still be able to contend. So now we fast forward to this point right now. This team has 31 wins and 48 losses, Amber Wilson. 17 games under 500. They have more starting lineups, as Anthony Davis mentioned, than wins. 39 different starting lineups this year. They only have 31 wins to, uh, to show for it. And I'll just say, I'll be the first to say, this team uh, has underachieved in a major, major way. And I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me to fathom a LeBron James team not making the playoffs. And I know when he first got to L.A., that team didn't make the playoffs, but at the same time, they didn't have the Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers that they have right now either, right? You tell me they have Westbrook, you have Carmelo, A.D., and all these guys not making the playoffs? I thought a lot of people probably would have laughed at that moment, laughed and made a joke about it. But that's where we're sitting right now with the Los Angeles Lakers not living up to uh, the standards of Laker Nation in 2021, 2021, two, two season. Yeah, I think when LeBron joins your team initially and takes over a bad Lakers squad, and he was the only guy at the time, you were just excited to have him as part of your team. And I don't know if it really shocked or horrified anybody that the Lakers were taking off that summer. And then we saw finally what a summer off does to LeBron James because he hadn't had one in like over 10 years before that first season with the Lakers. And then he comes back and he wins an NBA title, no problem. And you thought that that was going to be the trajectory of things moving forward for this Lakers squad. You called this Lakers team old, though. The guy on that team that wasn't supposed to be old is the guy who ain't even 30 yet, and Anthony Davis. Mm. But Anthony Davis talking about how many lineups they've had, yeah, boss, because you can't be out there because you can't stay healthy. And so for me, 
I'm not going to put them in the conversation as the most disappointing teams in sports history, not even most disappointing teams in NBA history, or frankly, even most disappointing teams in the Lakers history, because we have seen several disappointing teams in Lakers history. And one of the reasons that I don't find them as disappointing is because, frankly, we should have known. Like, Anthony Davis has always had durability problems. We should have known Russell Westbrook's uh, game was not going to age well. And we should have known that at 37 years old, LeBron James isn't going to be unhuman human Teflon anymore, even though he was that for the majority of his NBA career. LeBron can't be out there by himself doing it by himself at 37 years old, even when he's putting up 30, 40 every single night like he was doing this season when he was, in fact, healthy. But there's other examples in Lakers history, those 2012-2013 Lakers, which was Kobe and Pau Gasol, they, Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, when they joined that team, uh, Meta World Peace was on that team. That team got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. That was oh, when st- I think Amber, Kobe... I have to stop you. I have to stop you right there. I have to stop you right there, Amber, because you said the magic words. They got bounced in what round? The first round. But this they, Lakers team, they, Amber, you have, if you don't make the playoffs, you have a play-in tournament, whatever you want to call it, to make it just in case you don't originally make it. This Lakers team did not even do that. That's why it's that much disappointing because you, the rules have been bent and twisted and twirled all around for this team and any other team to possibly make the playoffs, and they still couldn't do it. That's why it's so disappointing. And LeBron James, right, you have a lot of people out there that consider LeBron James as being the GOAT. Did he play up to GOAT standards this year? Yes, he did. Now, the only reason why I would push back on you with the Anthony Davis thing is that you got to understand he's still a young guy, and when he's out there on the floor healthy, he is a dominant force. When? Exactly. (laughs) When? When when. When he's out there on the floor healthy, but that is not a given, and that is not a player at this point that you can rely on because we have never seen it. He is not consistently available on that court, whether he was in Los Angeles or before that when he was with the Pelicans either, right? I mean, this has been something that has plagued him throughout his entire NBA career, as great as he can be when he is healthy. On that uh, Lakers team that I just mentioned back in uh, 2012, 2013, I mean, you were talking about you know three MVP awards on that team, too for Nash, uh, one for Kobe at that time. Uh, Howard had won, uh, Howard and Meadow and, and World Peace had both won Defensive Player of the Year awards. I mean, that that was a disaster considering how decorated that team was. So there have been other teams, is my point, in Lakers history. Nevertheless, NBA history. Nevertheless, sports history that had been wildly disappointing, but certainly this one joins the ranks. Jay Williams on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He disagrees with me. He thinks that this is the most disappointing team ever. The Lakers are the most disappointing team in sports history. Yeah, I, I know think you're right. said in Lakers history, I would challenge anybody to tell me what team had more hype that fizzled Give me a candidate, out. Jay. Give me a candidate. I, I, I don't even know a candidate. I don't know a candidate that we talked about had a chance to get to the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl that didn't make the playoffs. They didn't make the playoffs, man. Like, that's how bad we're talking about the turmoil that they've had as a team, ownership perspective, the drama around Russell Westbrook, that reality show happening every single day. He's lost his jump shot. You tell me what other team has turned into a train wreck like the Lakers have this year. The 2003-2004 Lakers were also wildly disappointing, but they lost in the NBA Finals. The fallout from that was 
horrendous because Phil Jackson resigns. He calls Kobe uncoachable. Uh, Shaq and Peyton joined new teams after that season. Malone opted for retirement. So that season ended up being a disaster for the Lakers as well. But they had at least made an NBA final. So I don't know if that season is comparable, but certainly a very, very disappointing result here for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, Amber, and I'll tell you, when, this is how you know things are unraveling. When you have guys like Westbrook and A.D., saying certain things in the, in the media. Russell Westbrook um, not liking the crowd, saying certain things to him and people, and he's coming to the media and bring it, bringing that to attention. Then you have Anthony Davis saying, well, people complain about me being hurt. I'm out here trying to play hurt, and people are still complaining. Relax, my man. It's not like you're on the court on a consistent basis where you can even make that argument. Let's be serious here. And you're the keys, the keys, I'm going to call the Lakers uh, – uh, organization of Ferrari. The keys to the Ferrari were supposed to be handed over to you. And LeBron was supposed to be taking a step back with his age. Mm-hmm. LeBron James has three damn Ferraris right now. And Anthony Davis is in a Pinto because that's how he's been this year. Well, on his Ferrari's in the shop. Down. It's constantly in the shop, is right? I mean, he's got like he's got one of those cars that's just constantly in the shop. He, he claims he has it. We never see it. Because it's always in the <laughs> shop. Russell Westbrook, he was asked where this season went wrong. Russ, um, where, where do you think this season kind of went wrong? Is there a moment that stands out to you where I see you smiling? I mean, is it one? Is it a lot? Is it, <laughs> it, was there, is there something that, that stands in your mind where it's like, this just isn't, this isn't going to work this year? Uh, no, not one thing. You know, there's... So many different things that happen, but I personally, um, I don't like to point fingers or blame anybody. Um, I just only can control myself and control what I'm able to do with my actions. Um, so um, that's all I can speak on. Well, it's nice that Russell Westbrook doesn't want to point fingers or blame anybody. Harry and I will do plenty of that uh, throughout the show as we continue to discuss these Los Angeles Lakers. That was Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, we can continue the conversation about whether the Lakers are the most disappointing team in NBA history. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right, every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, and every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. So, Harry, when we're talking about who to blame, because you heard Russell Westbrook say that he's not going to do the pointing fingers, which is the right thing to say. Who to blame is easy for me when it comes to Los Angeles Lakers. And I'm pointing straight at LeBron James, because when you you when you yield all the power in an organization and LeBron does, that man is more powerful than Rob Polinka. We know this, right? When you yield all the the only yep. people more powerful than LeBron is Jeannie Buss. I mean, the the ownership is the only people more powerful than LeBron. And, and frankly, maybe that's questionable because LeBron seems to run the NBA and Clutch seems to run the NBA at this point. But when you have that kind of power, 
with great power comes great responsibility. And LeBron absolutely has to shoulder a significant portion of this blame for the way that things have gone this season. And I'm not talking about on the court because he was phenomenal, but I'm talking about all that other stuff off the court that he signed off on. Yeah, um, and they had an opportunity now. Uh, Magic Johnson came out and said, and he put it out on a limb, that they had an opportunity to get DeMar DeRozan and make another trade and get Buddy Hill. And just imagine DeMar DeRozan and Buddy Hill on this team right now. You talk about offensive firepower and people who they can score the basketball, but they decided, well, LeBron decided that he wanted Russell Westbrook and this is how it's panned out. This is the things that has transpired. And it has led them to not even make the play-in tournament uh, as long as the playoffs, as well as the playoffs. So LeBron has to take some blame in this. You can't just point the fingers at everyone else and say, okay, LeBron, uh, you're off the hook. No, he had a say in this, and, and this is where they are right now. So we will be doing plenty of discussion about who to blame uh, for the Lakers' failure. But let's turn our attention now to the guest line where we find our friend George Sedano, 710 ESPN LA. And George, we've been asking, is this Lakers team the most disappointing team in sports history? Um, wow, in sports history? <laughs> I'm a little prisoner of the moment, George. You know how we do on talk radio. I mean, for the love of God. I mean, they're definitely the most disappointing team in Laker history. I'll give them that. But I <laughs> I didn't know if we'd be going that deep, that quick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's been plenty of uh, – listen, I grew up a Yankees fan, and I remember there were many years in the 80s when George Steinbrenner was the owner and, you know, Don Mattingly and Ricky Henderson and Dave Winfield came up short. And, you know, I would imagine those teams – you know, he spent a lot of money on those teams for those days, and I'm sure those days uh, were not good days in the Bronx. Now, when you look at the Lakers this season and you see everything that has shaped out and the way things have transpired, who do you blame the most for the Lakers this season? Um, Who? Like a particular player? I mean, I guess, man, this stinks. I hate having to do this. But, like, I blame – how about this? I blame Anthony Davis's injury. How about that? Not blaming Anthony Davis per se, although I do think there are things that Magic said. I heard you talking about what Magic said. And, and I do want to address some of the stuff that Magic said that you alluded to a moment ago in just a second, if you allow me. But um, I do think that what Magic said about Anthony Davis, because it's something I've talked about uh, on radio, on TV, about he's going to have to kind of reassess what his offseason conditioning situation looks like yes and yes after the bubble where he looked like the greatest player on earth um he came in out of shape and then he had more injuries then this season he came in and bulked up and then he had more injuries so i've always subscribed and amber knows this because i covered pat riley for a really really long time and pat riley has always talked about as you age you should be leaner and I think that that's something he should look at. I think that I've talked to other coaches in the NBA about big men and injuries. And one coach who is a Hall of Famer, who will remain nameless, told me that the reason Joel Embiid particularly has become this player that he's become and he's become less injury prone is his footwork is so good. And when I asked him about Anthony Davis's footwork, he said, let's just say it's not as good as Joel's and he thinks that that's part of it. Right. So he kind of alluded to that. And I, 
maybe that's something Anthony Davis needs to look into. A lot of guys historically have gone to Akeem Olajuwon and paid six figures. I don't know if Akeem's still doing that. Uh, I know LeBron did it, you know, back in 2010 and 11 after he lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the finals. And a lot of guys have gone to him, Kobe, LeBron, uh, you know, KG, right? All these guys have gone to Akeem back in the day. And maybe that's something Anthony Davis needs to consider as well, along with his, uh, whatever it is, his physical offseason conditioning is during the offseason. George Sedano, 710 ESPN LA joining us uh, and finding a way to interject a little heat culture into this conversation. So I love him for it. Can can I interrupt real quick, Amber, just real quick on the DeMar DeRozan stuff you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's where I was going to go anyways, was Magic Johnson, of course, saying that they that they should have signed DeMar DeRozan instead of uh, signing Russell Westbrook. I know there's maybe some salary cap implications there that uh, Magic Johnson (laughs) isn't considering as well. Right. And that was going to be my point is that here's the deal. And, and I, look, I'm if Magic Johnson says Aaron Goodwin, DeMar DeRozan's agent called him and had was ready to be a Laker. I believe that. And look, DeMar's talked about wanting to be a Laker and, and he wanted to be a Laker. But my understanding is that allegedly the Lakers front office had some trepidation about doing that deal because it would have had to have been a sign and trade. And in a sign-and-trade, not to bore people with too many details, if you make that deal, you have to give DeMar DeRozan a minimum of three years in a sign-and-trade, which my understanding, allegedly, the Lakers front office had some trepidation about because nobody knew DeMar DeRozan would be this, okay? If that were the case, the San Antonio Spurs would have kept him because he's the fifth oldest player to have these kind of numbers when you look at the threshold that he's hitting this season statistically. So there's that. And then to your point about the salary cap, they would have been hard capped at 140 million. So the notion, and I I love Magic Johnson, okay? But the notion that they would have still been able to get Buddy Heald and keep Alex Caruso and sign him to the deal he signed in Chicago is just not plausible. Now, I want to go back really quick when you talked about Anthony Davis and understanding when you get older, your body is different, right? I feel the same way about James Harden and how he keeps getting nicked up. And my thing is that these guys have to look in the mirror and self-reflect and understand the older you get, the, the, the more different your body is and you, how different you have to train and get ready for basketball. You, you're not this young phenom anymore. And I think a lot of these guys still think they are and they don't train differently thinking they could train the same as if they were doing when they were young. Oh, I'm 100% with you on that. I don't think there's any question about that because the, the person uh, looking at themselves in the mirror doesn't see what some of us see. Uh, I, I talked to another coach many years ago who said that the toughest job is coaching the aging superstar <laughs> because, mm-hmm. again, they, they, they see a person in the mirror that isn't what we see. So you're right. I, I do think that's a challenge, and I think it's a challenge – that Philadelphia probably knows they're going to have to take on and deal with. And, you know, that deal I think will be good for them for this year, perhaps next year. But once you get into the teeth of a potential new deal for him, yeah, it it can get uh, dicey. Now, he's an incredibly talented player, and he's got a skill set that we haven't seen very much of historically. But, yeah, that is an absolute concern. He hasn't always taken his conditioning uh, you know, and had the utmost respect for it, per se. Let's just call it that. 
So, George, going back to the Lakers for a minute here on the way out, where do we go from here with the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, they're up against it. Russ is probably going to opt in. What can they do? So there's two avenues for Russell Westbrook, okay, for the Lakers with Russell Westbrook. One of them is you attach the remaining picks you have, and they've given up a ton of picks to get off of stuff or to acquire players. Um, They have available to them 2027 and 2029. Now, if I were the Lakers or if I were advising them, I would not attach one of those picks to get rid of Russell Westbrook because the chances of them being bad and those picks being very valuable are pretty high in my estimation. So I think you have to search for another team that's willing to get off a player with a longer term deal. And if I were playing ESPN NBA trade machine, I would call the Knicks and say, clearly Julius Randle doesn't want to play in New York anymore. And your fans don't love him. Uh, He played for the Lakers. He's 28 years old, I believe. You attach him, maybe Evan Fournier, who's got a couple years on that deal that he signed. The Knicks get to hit the reset button quickly by either buying out Russ or just riding it out for one more season. But I I think that that's the only way you get off of Russell Westbrook. Those are your only two options. Either you take longer-term deals from teams that have disgruntled players or you have to attach picks, which, again, I, I wouldn't be interested in doing if I were them. We're up against it. I want to continue this conversation because I'm curious, too, on your thoughts on, you know, the future of Anthony Davis and even, frankly, the future of LeBron. But we will have plenty of time to continue to unpack this Lakers team in the future because goodness knows the offseason is going to be spent talking about what the Lakers do now moving forward. Certainly not going to be spent talking about the Lakers in the postseason. George Sedano, 710 ESPN LA. Thanks so much for joining us, George. You got it, Amber. Harry, big fan, brother. You helped my fantasy team back in 2013, so I appreciate you. (laughs) No, no problem. (laughs) Coming up next, should Phoenix be the favorite to win it all? We transition to the best team in the NBA, from one of the worst in the West to one of the best in the West. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Is there one team in the West? And then everybody else. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. The Phoenix Suns are sitting at 62 and 16, Harry. They are so far above everybody in terms of the standings in the West. If I was to ask you if the Phoenix Suns should easily then be the odds-on favorite to win it all, I'm not just talking about the West, I'm talking about the whole thing, would that be your choice? Right now, currently, yes. And simply the fact that you look at last year, right, this team was trying to get there, trying to find themselves. Chris Paul came over, helped them reach the finals. They got up on the Milwaukee Bucks two games to none. They ended up losing that series. So in my eyes, that was a learning process. You come into this year, they have the best record in the NBA. Um, You lose Chris Paul for some games, they still found a way to get it done. Devin Booker is playing at an MVP caliber level. And not just Devin Booker and Chris Paul, but you have a guy in DeAndre Ayton who was balled out this year. Mikael Bridges, a guy who can defend uh, as well as score points for you. Jay Crowder, hustle plays, knocking down timeless shots when he has to. But then the backup point guard position, Cameron Payne, he has made major strides this year. I like him. Uh, Cam Johnson, 
a guy I'm very, very familiar with. I like his game coming off the bench, adding that instant offense. And we've seen what his brother did in the national championship game uh, uh, <laughs> against the Kansas Jayhawks. So the bloodline is thick when it comes to the Johnson family. But when I look at this Phoenix Suns team, you look at what they have done organizational-wise, history, the history. They have won the most games in Phoenix Suns history. They have the 92-93 Phoenix Suns who had uh, was coached by Paul West Paul. You had Danny Ainge, Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson, uh, uh, Marley, all those guys. And then you look at the 2004-2005 team that was coached by Dan and Tony. You had Steve Nash, Joe Johnson, Sean Marion, Amari Stardemeyer, uh, Quentin Richardson. They have surpassed the record of those two teams. So they have something going great uh, down there in Phoenix. I like the team chemistry that they have. If one guy is missing, they still find a way to get it done. Plus, they have the experience for last year. And I'll, I'll go back and I'll say this. I'll go as far back as the bubble. When that team made those strides toward the end of the season in the bubble, right? And a lot of people was, was looking at it like, oh, man, uh, we don't know about the Phoenix Suns. Maybe they'll be good. I thought they used that as a stepping stone and they added Chris Paul, which was a major piece of that team, and now look at them the last two years, including this year. Lost in the finals. Like I said, it was up 2-0. Now they have the best record in the NBA. And I just think they're destined to win it. And I actually want them to win it for a guy like Chris Paul, who has been lights out his entire career. We see at one point Chris Paul wanted to go to the Lakers, but uh, the late David Stern didn't allow that to happen. Uh, he got there last year, and he, he smelled it. He tasted it a little bit, came up short. Now I think this is a year for this team to get over that hump uh, with that experience they had from last year's finals. The Suns are in the unique position of being able to give their guys some rest here down the stretch as well, where everyone else is yeah. still vying for seeding. The Suns have had it on lock for so long. I mean, they clinched a playoff spot like six weeks before the end of the regular season. So Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and CP3 and these guys can get some rest here down the stretch, which probably is particularly important as they head into the playoffs. To your point, we've definitely seen them develop here over the last couple years. And last year, I think we got a good sense of how good this Suns team is going to be. It's funny because we were talking a lot about how disappointing the Lakers are. And I know the Lakers on our rejoin coming in, you were hearing sound from uh, on SportsCenter where the Lakers are saying, well, it's injuries that has cost us this season. This Suns team has dealt with injuries and yet have been completely dominating this mm -hmm. season. According to Caesars, the Suns are a plus 280 favorite to win the NBA title, followed by the Bucks at a plus 550. But let's focus, Harry, on the West for a moment. Is there any other team here in the West who you think you that can legitimately challenge the Suns in terms of taking the West? Is it Memphis? Is it Golden State? Is it somebody I'm not considering here, the Nuggets? Well, I think both of those teams could challenge the Phoenix Suns. Um, but if I had to pick one of the two, I'm going to take the Golden State Wars just because they have that experience as well. The Memphis Grizzlies, as Kendrick Perkins would say, come on over to the dark side. Well, I'm not coming over to the dark side just yet because I've seen the Golden State Warriors do it time and time again. Now, they're going to get Steph Curry back. Uh, they have a Klay Thompson. They have a Draymond Green. What's very, very vital for them is those three guys to stay healthy. 
They can't have two of them or just have one of the two. They must have all three of them. To go along with a guy like Jordan Poole, who I think, I th- I think has made major strides in the NBA, I think they got a steal when they drafted him because he has been lights out. Uh, you have an Andrew Wiggins, a Jonathan Kaminga. You have a, a, a Looney who's been there, a Porter Jr., and uh, Andre Iguodala who can come in and not give you 30 minutes, but he can give you something and try to help you out, hustle plays, knock down timeless back- baskets when you need it. Now, when you look at the Memphis Grizzlies, they have everything you want, but they're young and they haven't done it yet. Plus, if I had to look at these three teams, I'm going to trust Monty Williams and Steve Kerr before I trust Taylor Jenkins because we have heard the sound bites in huddles of a Monty Williams during a playoff series encouraging his players to be great, and they responded. We've heard a Steve Kerr talk to a – uh, uh, Steph, uh, Steph Curry, who's going to be a Hall of Famer and say, hey, you're impacting the game more than you think you are. Just because you're scoring doesn't mean you're not impacting this game. We've, we've all heard those sound bites. Not saying that Taylor Jenkins can't motivate and he can't do it, but Monty Williams has been there and done it. Uh, the players respond to him. Steve Kerr has been there and done it. The players respond to him. Now, Taylor Jenkins has this young, this, young, this young ball club in Memphis playing some damn good basketball because their record alone without John Morant is unbelievable to me. And they have a guy over there, Dylan Brooks, who I thought is very, very key for their team. And actually last year, I believe it was the play-in game between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. Dylan Brooks came up huge in that game, especially defending Steph. Now, Steph, the reason why I say those guys in Golden State got to be healthy, Steph was out there butt-naked by himself trying Mm -hmm. to make plays. And he was exhausted. And he used every ounce of his energy trying to make his team, get his team over that hump. Now you have more guys offensively that can make plays for Golden State, and I think it will benefit them when Steph comes back. And we don't know how healthy Steph is going to look. I think that this all comes down to that. But I'm with you. If the Warriors are the healthiest team or as healthy as they can be, then I definitely would give the edge to the Warriors over the Grizzlies because of the experience factor. And I don't want to take anything away from what the Grizz have done this season, but it's just still hard for me to believe somehow. And it's hard for me to believe that it's going to look the same in the postseason. I also don't know what to make of the fact that the Grizzlies are so good without jaw. Like that whole thing has been so strange this season. They're 20 and two, I believe (laughs) without jaw Morant out there. So an incredible supporting cast for him in Memphis, but it almost seems too good to be true. And we know playoff basketball is a different type of basketball and experience matters when it comes to playoff basketball. So I would certainly give the edge to the Warriors, by the way, the Suns are also a strange team when Devin Booker hasn't been out there. They are eight and three, I believe without Devin Booker this season. So a good team without Devin Booker, a team that can uh, survive some setbacks here in terms of injuries. And we know that they fared just fine as well when CP three was under the weather, but it looks like the Suns are going to be healthy and frankly are going to dominate. The NBA is on ESPN radio. Tune in tonight as the Knicks host the Nets presented by indeed coverage begins at 7 PM Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Coming up next, we transition to the NFL. Stefan Diggs got his new deal. Another receiver gets paid. Harry Douglas missed his timing in terms of when he was born. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. At 48 years old, Hall of Fame wide receiver Terrell Owens is returning to professional football, Harry Douglas. Now, he's not returning to the NFL. He's joining the fan-controlled football league. He's expected to be paired with Johnny Manziel on the Zappers. 
The season starts April 16th. He has not played professionally since 2010, but he said he never retired. He said that there was just not a market for him, but that wasn't the same as his retiring. He's still holding out hopes, apparently, for an NFL comeback at darn near 50 years old. Oh, Lord. There's only one Tom Brady, okay? There's only one of him. Now, don't get me wrong. I love T.O., and you look at T.O., and the way he's built and his body type, and he look like he can go out there and do any and everything. But the speed of the game is different. You haven't been in it that for a long time. Uh, I think a lot of things have changed since he played last. And, man, sometimes you just need to, you know, sit down and let these young cats take things over. Come on over here with me, T.O. Come on over here at Percy, the dark side, and sit down with your boy. Come on over here on the media side. Let's talk some noise, talk some football together. Why do you want to do this? I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not built like you guys. I don't understand like the whole competitive <laughs> nature of the professional athlete, but man, if I hadn't done it since 2010, like what you doing? Why aren't you just enjoying your life and yes. your millions of dollars and, and drinking a Mai Tai on a private Island somewhere? Like, what are we doing? But he apparently wants to play football. He said, I wasn't given the opportunity to play after 2010. That doesn't mean I retired. T.O., to your point, looks the part. I mean, that man doesn't look, uh, I mean, he's 48. That man doesn't look a day over 38. But looking the part and being the part, two very different things, it seems like to me, Harry. Yeah, them young boys out there, they moving different. They moving different. The speed of the game is not the same when T.O. left the game. It's not the same. They're moving different. Um, it's a lot of different Things are transpiring. Well, we're going to see. He get a chance to pair up with Johnny Menzel. I mean, hopefully Johnny Menzel doesn't give him a shot of alcohol at halftime like he probably did in some of his careers while he was playing in college in the NFL. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But doing? we'll see how they're going to do along the way. And if T.O. can make strides and show me something, maybe I'll change my mind. But for right now, Amber, T.O., sit down. It's taking Johnny Menzel shots. Uh, Owens did open some eyes in 2020 by keeping pace with uh, Tyreek Hill when they had a race against one another. Not the same, though, as oh, actually no. playing football or Not running routes. Way. He more recently ran a 40-yard dash in 4.4, reportedly, which is insane for a 48-year-old. Nevertheless, I think it's safe to say that T.O. is probably not making an appearance, no matter how much TB12 he consumes in the NFL. Harry Douglas was born just a little too late. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. You can also join the conversation on the Canty Call-In line. We are asking you... Are this Lakers team, is this Lakers team the most disappointing team in sports history? We also want to know, how would you fix the Los Angeles Lakers? Go ahead and join the conversation at one eight 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 say espn 888-729-3776. So a lot to unpack with the Los Angeles Lakers. We are going to be doing it throughout today's show. But right now, let's unpack what's happening with the wide receiver market in the NFL. Because, Harry, we were talking in our bonus segment, if your affiliate carried it, about T.O. apparently trying to make a comeback to football here at 48 years old. Mm -hmm. Maybe Harry Douglas should consider 
making a comeback here. Much younger than T.O., <laughs> same position. Maybe you could do – you still look like you're in amazing shape. I believe in you, Harry, because they are out here getting paid receivers these days. Stefan Diggs being the latest of those receivers to get paid. He got an extension with the Buffalo Bills, $104 million. That includes $70 million guaranteed. It is a four-year extension. So Diggs' contract now runs in Buffalo – through 200 or through 2027 and is worth a total value of almost 125 million dollars. Are you making a comeback, Harry Douglas? Oh, no, not at all. I enjoy what I'm doing right now. I enjoy talking my noise on ESPN radio. I enjoy being on TV. I enjoy doing the college game, working with game day and doing a lot of different college football shows and radio and all that Look stuff. You're oh, just no. placating to the bosses I, right now. I am feeling good right here where I'm at and I'm I'm not moving. But 70 million guaranteed. I mean, listen, I don't know what you make here, uh, but I know what I make here. And 70 million guantee a little bit of a raise. A li- li- it's not a little, little it's bit. not a little raise. That's a big raise. A little bit. Maybe not for that's, Stephen A. Smith, that's a big boy, a big girl, Ramos. big boy and big girl raise. But I will say <laughs> this. Um, Stefan Diggs, he does deserve it because we look at the transition of his quarterback. Um, and he made those strides, especially when Stephon Diggs started, uh, had came over and gave him that target. Now, Josh Allen, I love him, but it's hard to be a guy you don't have anyone to throw to. Stephon Diggs uh, was that guy for him. But then you look at the market, right? When Devontae Adams got his money, Tyreek Hill got his money, Stephon Diggs sent out the tweet, what the hell is going on? That alerted the Bills management. That alerted Stefan Diggs' is a agent. And look what we have now. We have a new deal. Now, everything was started a while ago by DeAndre Hopkins. He was making about 27, I believe it was $27 million a year. Devontae Adams, I believe it was it's 28. He got his deal, and he was basing his deal off DeAndre Hopkins and what he had. Now we see Tyreek Hill, what he's making. Stefan Diggs, not above those guys, but... It's still great money for a guy who has produced for a quarterback that a lot of people are high on. Now, here's the thing. Where do we go from here, Amber Wilson? Where we go is a lot of guys about to get paid. The Cooper Cups of the world, the DK Metcalfs of the world, the A.J. Browns, Debo Samuel, Marquise Brown. I mean, those guys are licking their chops. Yes, Justin Jefferson. Those guys are all licking their chops right now looking at this money being thrown around. Yeah, and and, and, and every one of those guys that we just named are very deserving. I look at D.K. Metcalf and what he's meant to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I look at A.J. Brown and especially what he has meant to the Tennessee Titans. Justin Jefferson and what he's meant to the Minnesota Vikings. Cooper Cup, the Triple Crown winner, a guy who has been awesome and amazing. And I don't think nobody benefited more than Matthew Stafford coming over than him. He's highly underpaid. So we look forward to the future because these guys are going to want their money. Diggs has ranked in the top 10 in the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. The only player with more receptions than Diggs since the start of 2020 are Adams, who got paid, and Cooper Cup, who I'm sure is calling his agent right now on speed dial. Coming up next, we go back to the Lakers. How disappointing is this team?